I'm going to read uh, verse 1 all the way down to verse uh, 36. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus in the well. It was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto her, him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whatsoever, Whosoever drinketh this wet water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up, into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus answered, said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto her, Him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The hour cometh and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, why, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And I title this, We Have a Purpose. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to meet together tonight in this place. And thank you for this church. And Father, we thank you for your word and instructs us and teaches us and challenges us and in our walk with you and instructs us in the way of salvation. Father, we pray you'd help us tonight as we look into your word, speak to our hearts. May we be encouraged and challenged, new and afresh, and uh, things we already know. But, Father, just help us again to be reminded and help us just be faithful in these days and we're living to glorify and honor you and be a witness and testimony for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in verse 4 it says, and he must needs go through Samaria. You know, everything that Jesus did, he had a purpose for. Of course, First John uh, chapter 3 tells us you know, that for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Uh, so, you know, everything, but everything that he did, he had a purpose. And he has given us a purpose. You know, I don't think a person can really know, have purpose in life unless they know the Lord. He, he, is, he is who gives life meaning and purpose. Otherwise, why are we here? Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die. If this is all there is, you know, if this is all I have to look forward to, I mean, uh, you know, might as well live it up. But no, we have a purpose. Uh as we think about that, you know, and, and, that, and I'll deal with that first. First of all, the purpose is twofold, really. Uh, we are here, number one, to glorify God. That's a general purpose, overruling purpose. That is our foremost purpose, is to glorify God. Everything else we do is, is secondary to that. Uh, we're not here. You know, some people say, well, our purpose here is to win souls. No. That's a product of glorifying God. That's a product of, be obedient, of being obedient to the Word of God. That's a product. That's not our purpose. We are to be doing that. But again, that's a product. If you, if you put that first before glorifying the Lord, you're soon, in a generation, you're going to have a, a contemporary church. That's why a lot of independent Baptist churches of bygone past 30 years ago are now contemporary. It's because that was the number one thing in that church. Win souls at any cost, even if it meant compromise. So, so we have to keep that in mind. You know, we are here, first of all, to glorify God. And, of course, to glorify God, we must live a life that's pleasing and honoring to the Lord. You know, Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. First uh, Corinthians 6.19 and 20. What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, you know, again, this is taught throughout the Bible, in Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, yeah, the Predestination has the idea of God's bringing it to pass. You know, we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son, John, uh, Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine. You know, so God is working in my life to bring that to pass. That's the idea of predestination. It's not that we are 
pre-chosen. Uh, but anyway, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So, so we should be to the praise of his glory. So, so we're here, first of all, to glorify God. And then, and then, you know, and again, a byproduct of that is to evangelize the lost. We're here. You know, Matthew 4.19 says, follow me. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But let, let's go through the New Testament a little bit. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, speaking to his disciples, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. When he sat, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and this is some of the, one of the things he taught him, verse 13. This is what we call the Beatitudes. But in verse 13, he says this, Ye, speaking to his disciples there, ye are the salt of the earth. With the salt of lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted. It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. Now, if you go to John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he said, ye are the light of the world. The idea is there, you know, it's like he's the sun, we're the moon. We're to be a reflection of him. So ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, in John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, John the Baptist's testimony was, John 1, 7, the same came for witness, this is speaking of John, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. In other words, John wasn't the light. Jesus is the light. But we're to, be, we're to, we're to bear witness of that light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And then in chapter 15, chapter 15, and uh, verse 27, and he says, And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. You'll bear witness, because you've been with me from the beginning. And you know, in Acts, and you go over into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and on the uttermost part of the earth. And when they were scattered in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, it tells us that they whenever they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the gospel. When 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 the Lord called the apostle Paul or called Saul in, in Acts chapter nine, verse fifteen, he says to him, But the Lord or said this to Ananias actually but the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And, and Paul rehearsed that in Acts chapter 26, when he's giving his testimony before, I think it was before Agrippa, in Acts 26, verse 16, he says, But rise, this is what the Lord said to him, Rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things, which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them that which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Yeah, and then you, you know you go on Romans ten fourteen. 
How should they hear without a preacher? Now, that word preacher there is not referring to a pastor. It's referring to anybody that heralds the gospel. Could be one of you ladies out knocking on doors. You're preaching the word of God. So you can preach. You, know, you can preach in that sense. The, the idea is, this, is there to herald. You've heard of the town crier. We're from Williamsburg, and every once in a while you hear a town crier, Hear ye, hear ye! You know, he's, and he's, at, he's telling something that's going to happen in town. Uh, and everybody t- stops and listens to what the town crier has to say. That's, that's the idea there, to herald the gospel. And, of course, uh, Paul writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us a ministry of reconciliation. You know, reconcil- to reconcile is to change one from an enemy to a friend. Check it from darkness to light, uh, to, to the power of Satan under the power of God. That's the idea. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did you beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled uh, to God. So, so we're here to glorify God. <coughs> Excuse me. And then and evangelize the lost. We're His light. We're the only light. You know, God uses. You ever think about this? Here's here's the Ethiopian eunuch in his chariot riding back to Ethiopia, and he has the Old Testament scriptures. Yeah, he's reading Isaiah 53. Wouldn't you think he'd be able to figure it out? No. Philip says, Understandest what thou readest. Here's an educated man. He's not an ignoramus. He's an educated man. Understandest what thou readest. And he said this, How can I, except some man, should guide me? You see, people need us to give them the gospel so that they might understand it. And so we're here not only to glorify God, but we're here to evangelize the lost. But just like even, you know, and this, is, this has always been the case, uh, but there are some problems. There are some problems. You have, you have uh, I don't know how to call this ethnic, Prejudice? Uh, notice in verse 7, it says this, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples are going away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And if you drop down to verse 27, it says, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? You understand, there was, there was animosity, there was prejudice between the Jews and the, and the Samaritans. The Samaritans were half Jew. They were Jewish people that intermingled with the Gentiles and intermarried with Gentiles. Therefore, the Orthodox Jew or the, or the pure Jews had no dealings with them. They, they considered them dogs or outcasts. And I'm told that, that you know, to go from Galilee um, 
And I guess he, he's, he left to do it and is going into Galilee. To, to, to do that, a, a straight line would be go, go, to go right through Samaria. But a Jew would not do that. He'd take a longer route to avoid coming into contact with Samaritans. So you have this, you know, this prejudice. Um, against another ethnic group. But but Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, now, of course, none of us are prejudiced, right? I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now, now maybe you're not prejudiced to skin color, but you may have other kinds of prejudice. See, there was there was not only this ethnic prejudice. There was there was a, and I, I, I'm not sure this is the right thing to call it, but a cultural prejudice. Look at verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Now, obviously, we're not Jesus, so we don't have all knowledge like he did. But but Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. But he continues talking to her. Now, if you, get into, if you start talking to somebody and you find out that there's two people living together, now be honest with me, I become immediately uncomfortable. Or if you're in a house, and this, this is our culture, you're in a house, and there's three or four kids. And you find out this one's last name is Clark, and this is, is this one's Bates, and this one is, you know, um, Daniels. All of a sudden you feel like, oh, my goodness. What do I say? I mean, this is, you know, we're just not, this is just not good. No, it's not. You know what? That's the kind of people Jesus died for. Go to Mark. Now, maybe you don't need this message as much as I do, but in Mark chapter 2 and verse 14, Mark 2.14, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the seat of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. So already we have a problem with the religious folks. Levi's a what? He's a publican. So he is considered a traitor to the Jews. He's working for the Romans. And it came to pass, verse 15, that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there are many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto the disciples, How is it thou that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You know, he's eating with publicans, traitors, and sinners. 
You remember at one point, it was Mary Magdalene, I think, that washed, you know, washed his feet, uh, uh, with her, wiped his feet with her, her feet with his feet with her hair, and they said, "If this man knew what kind of sinner she was." Look at First Corinthians chapter six. Paul did the same thing. Paul's ministry was characterized in similar fashion. I know I'm not alone with this. I I watched a message that's similar to this. The other, or had part of this in it the other night, but I didn't. He, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't preaching the same passage, and so that helped me a little bit with this. But uh, that was Bobby Mitchell actually. But anyway, First Corinthians six verse nine. Paul goes to Corinth. What kind of city was Corinth? Well, look at chapter nine or chapter six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, nor to fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers themselves with mankind. Now, those last two phrases, feminine and abusers themselves with mankind, have to do with homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So he gives this list of people we would say, we're not, I'm not comfortable being around. And then he says this, and such were some of you. But you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, the kind of people, some of the kinds of people, and I, and I believe there's all kinds of people in, in, in Church of Corinth probably, you know, there was probably some people there that didn't actually live all these kinds of lifestyle, but there were some that did. And Paul reached them with the gospel. Go to Thessalonica. You know, at Thessalonica, they had, you know, just like many of the cities during that time, the Gentile cities, they had their temple prostitutes. And it was common and accepted practice that the married men went to the temple prostitutes. You see, you know, this is what the Lord showed me today. I need to get over being afraid to ask or being made uncomfortable because of the sin that somebody else is involved in. Really, really, what that shows me is, huh, I guess I'm kind of self-righteous. Look at Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. You remember when uh, Peter came to Antioch, and Paul writes about it here in Galatians chapter 2. And they had already, remember they had that council at Jerusalem about whether they should keep the law, you know, the Gentiles should keep the law and the customs and all that. And, and, and the church at Jerusalem concluded, no, they didn't need to keep the law. You know, there's just a couple of things they said, just keep yourselves from blood and things strangled. And, and uh, um, I forget what the other thing it was. And for fornication and, uh, and, and, you know, they said, no, they didn't need to keep the law. So then Peter goes down to Antioch, and he's eating with Gentiles, which Jews would not do under the law. And then there comes some others from Jerusalem. 
some of the brethren, who Peter was afraid might think ill of him if he ate in front of, with the Gentiles in front of them, so he withdrew himself. Insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with this dissimulation. Uh, verse 13 says, And other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Verse 14, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the man of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Now he's not talking about, and I'm not, I'm not saying that we need to overlook their sin. Jesus did not overlook the, the woman's sin. But he didn't draw back from continuing to press her or talk to her about her need. Just because she was an immoral woman. And the conclusion I got from this is, if you drop all the way down to verse uh, 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So the solution to that, this whole thing is of, of not being made uncomfortable that I got from this is, look, the solution is to live a truly crucified life. My righteousness did not come by the law or by my being good. No one else's is either. It don't matter how far down they are. We're all saved the same way. And, 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 and the, the salvation that God offers can, can save any of the, even the lowest of sinners. Paul was one of those. So, yeah, like I say, I need to get over being shocked or taken back, or made uncomfortable because of somebody's sin, God can deliver them. Just because I wasn't where they are, but in reality I was. I was headed to hell just as they are. Really no different. And so we have these, these problems that we must deal with. But, but, you know, Jude says this. Jude says this in Jude, uh, I think it's verse 23 and 24. You know, and again, Jesus didn't overlook her sin. He, con he confronted her about her sin, and, and she repented. But anyway, in Jude, verse uh, 22, says, and some having compassion, making a difference. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotting, spotted by the flesh. Uh, some you win with compassion. Some you win with fear. Some you have to, and you're not supposed to do this in this age of love, but some you have to scare with hell. You know, I heard a guy say one time, we had a preacher preach at a camp we did years ago, and he preached to teenagers, and he preached on hell. And one of the 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 uh, athletic director was upset. I said, 
Noah moved with fear and prepared himself an ark to the saving of his house. If it may take, for some people it takes fear. For others, the love of God will do it. But, but uh, we're to have compassion, even pulling them out of the fire. Hating the garments spotted by the flesh. So there are these problems that we have to try and deal with. And, you know, not be, you know, I grew up in the back road in Pennsylvania never heard about this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's a kind of a shock. But it's the culture in which we are living in America today. And so we need to, we need to, to, to uh, endeavor to reach them with the gospel, regardless of where they are. And then, once you notice, uh, thirdly, so we have, the, we have our purpose. There's problems. We have, uh, there's the provision. <clears throat> verse 32 and verse 30 through 34 says this. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Now the disciples, they're concerned about him eating. They've gone away to buy food, and they come back with it, and he, he's paying no attention to their, their food. He said, I have meat to eat you know not of. Um, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Uh, in John chapter 6, verse 39 and 40, again, and this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So the will of the Father is to... Uh, 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 his meat was to do the will of the Father. You see, satisfaction and meaning to life comes by being obedient to the Lord. Not by what I put in my stomach every day. That's only a temporary thing. But I can have a full stomach and not be satisfied. I may be satisfied Physically, but my soul may not be, my spirit may not be, and that's where I live. Man lives from a spirit. So, so the will of the God is to for you know accept Christ and be obedient to Him. First John one four says uh, that our joy may be full. It's the only thing that satisfies a man's need is to do the will of of the Father. You know, he is our provision. He is the only one that can satisfy. And so we need to be, you know, if we're going to have satisfaction in life, we must, we must do the will of the Father. Be obedient to him. And we must, uh, must allow the Spirit of God to lead us. You know, he is our provision. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> Second Corinthians ten. You know, if we're going to be effective, you know, of course we've got to obey the Lord's will, be obedient to His word. But we need the Spirit of God to direct us and to to instruct us and help us 
in our witness. Second uh, Corinthians 10. I'm in First Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10, verse uh, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And if you're, if you're engaged in evangelizing, it's a war. You're in a spiritual battle. You know, the devil loves, loves nothing more than to get me rattled about, well, there's three kids in the house and they've got different names. I mean, he's, he's won the battle. If he, if he can get me rattled about that, it's silly. Why should I get rattled about that? It's because it's not something I'm used to or comfortable with. Uh, anyway. We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. See, that's just an imagination that comes up in my mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So we need the spirit of God to empower us and direct us, and he will only do that as we yield to the will of God and obey his word. You see, his power is conditional upon our obedience to God's word. And of course, we find nourishment, life, and strength in the word of God. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen: Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So so we need his provision. Uh, we need to see the prospects. Verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Uh, the field, of course, is the world. And, um, you know, he said the field is already white. Now, being a farm boy, I know a white field means an overripe harvest. It's past ripe. It should have been shucked a week ago, or a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, for you moderners, that means you should have run the combine through some time ago. Uh, but anyway, so it's overripe. People need the Lord. They're lost in their sin, and we need to see them as the Lord saw them. In Matthew 9, again, that familiar Matthew 9, 36 or 38, the Lord said, But he, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Uh, so, so we need to see the prospects, and 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 of course, then he the participation sought, verse thirty six to thirty eight, and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true: one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So, you know, he is still looking for those who will labor, who will endeavor to give out the gospel, to be a witness and a testimony for him. You know, God has instructed us to be laborers together with God. 
1 Corinthians 3, 9. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And we just laborers together. Um, might God help us to be faithful or labor? I know it's discouraging. It's discouraging. But God wants us just to be faithful and give out the gospel and seek wisdom from him. How to answer every man of the reason of the hope that lieth within us with meekness and fear. God wants us to be faithful. You know, again, I've, I've said this before. Our best witness is not on visitation night. Our most effective. It's when we're in everyday life. And people see us as real people. Endeavoring to give out the gospel. So might God help us to be faithful in our own personal world. In giving out the gospel. And trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Uh, that's what... that's. That's part of our purpose of being here. And we can glorify Him in doing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for this uh, simple instructions that you give us in your word, how it challenges our hearts. And Lord, just help us, although it's, many times it's discouraging, we don't seem to see much fruit. But Father, we really won't know until we go to be with you how effective our witness was or is. So, Lord, just help us to be faithful. Giving out the truth of thy word. Being a light to those in darkness. We'll thank you in Jesus' name.